Welcome to the Conversion Tracking Playbook, where we share how to overcome tracking challenges that e-commerce brands face today and real-world examples of transforming data into insights. Welcome back to another episode of the Conversion Tracking Playbook. I'm your host, Brad Redding. And today I have four topics that we'll be going through. Number one, I'll be talking about a Facebook article that was released this week that talks about the native Shopify Facebook app, you know, the Pixel Cappy integration and some results on using that versus alternative versions. I will talk a little bit about the WebPixel API from Shopify, a hydrogen site launch from an LFR customer and just share some learning lessons there for those of you that might be building on hydrogen. And last but not least, I will be sharing a little bit about server-side tracking with LFR, some changes, improvements, just an FYI, and also have a question for Tapcart customers. All right, so let's start with the first topic that's kept our inboxes busy the last couple of days, which has been an article that this disruptive digital release called Shopify's Facebook ads tracking integration is hurting your business. Here's how to improve it. And just to put this out there, we have zero affiliation with these folks. Obviously, we reached out to them after they released this article, uh, but we had many customers and others, either customers emailing us about it, asking us our thoughts about it, folks reaching out to us on Twitter, and otherwise just asking for our perspective on it. So I thought I would share some of my thoughts on this. So the if you have not read it, there'll, there'll be a link in the show notes that'll take you to it. But in short, basically what they were describing was, hey, we've had some customers that have been on the native uh, Facebook Shopify integration, which by the way is now owned and managed by, I guess it's Meta, not Facebook, but uh, Shopify doesn't own it, doesn't manage it anymore. It's managed and maintained by Meta slash Facebook. But they shared we we were using that and we went to an alternative version of a Cappy and Pixel integration and they saw a substantial change and improvement in their core metrics in Facebook, which ultimately allowed them to lower CPMs, higher ROAS, lower CPAs, et cetera. I'm trying to read read their bullet points here and share with you. But in any case, they're saying things turned out to be substantially better. And again, they turned off the native Shopify integration and implemented another. What was interesting, what they broke out, inferred based on the native integration, and this isn't anything that we didn't know about either. And we don't necessarily publicize it too much, but it's something that, again, we don't, it could change. The native app could change any given day, and we've seen it change for some customers and not others. But their reasoning behind why they feel like they saw such a big improvement was because of two two core issues that they feel like this app, the native app, does not do well. And number one, basically, Facebook's not getting all the data that it could. So if there are a thousand orders that are coming through the brand website and obviously a various data associated with that user, they are hypothesizing that Facebook is not getting all of that data. So it could be missing some orders. It could be missing some information around that user, which leads into their second point and second reasoning, which is the data, the, the advanced matching parameters that 
you've likely seen the scores and the scores used to be numeric where it'd be like your six, 6.7 out of 10. And now it's a good, great or okay. And that can drive you crazy because you, you're great one day and then okay the next day. I don't really love it personally, but anyways, they pointed out two, two actual flaws or missing pieces in the integration that uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of stores are using. And it goes down to the two values that Facebook uses, the so two cookies, they have an FBP and an FBC. The FBP cookie is essentially their personal identifier. And if Facebook is running, if Facebook Pixel is running on your site, your every user will be assigned a FBP cookie value. The FBC cookie value is essentially from the Facebook click ID. So when someone clicks an ad or a link from Facebook and comes to your site, that'll have that Facebook click ID parameter attached to it. And then there's an FBC cookie that is also set. And that essentially ties a user back to a click from the ad platform. So this is this is a question we, we actually we still get all the time. Why is my FBP cookie 96%, but FBC is only 40% or 30%? Shouldn't that be 100? My integration is broken. What's going on? Your integration is not broken. If you are only sending 40% of traffic or only 40% of traffic coming to your site, it's coming through a link from Facebook or Instagram, et cetera. Having a 40% FBC uh, percentage of 40 out of 100% would actually be a good, uh, good mark. The reasoning makes sense. So they point out that the native integration does a great job sending email and phone number and customer information that is ultimately passed back to the meta platform. But the these other two values are not passed at all in some cases, or they're severely lacking. And the point they're making is, if you think about the FBC, so just that FBC or the FBP cookie, Facebook will be able to, if Facebook has that from a conversion, they're going to have a substantially easier, better time, or they'll be more successful matching a click back to a conversion if they have that. And that would span across sessions as well. So if somebody clicked an ad on a Tuesday and came back and purchased on a Friday, if the original FBC value and basically the Facebook click ID if that was sent with a purchase on Friday, Facebook, you would hypothesize, is going to be able to match that back to the original click that had that Facebook click ID. So that makes sense to me. That's always been our hypothesis. That's why since day one, we've always passed these two parameters in the Elevar integration. And yeah, so that's the reasoning. And I can't argue with it. And again, this wasn't, it wasn't a paid promotion by any means, but I won't lie. Certainly when I saw it, made me feel really good that we've been doing good by our customers because we've worked our ass off on our Facebook happy integration for two and a half years and we still do. And amongst all of the changes, there's still changes that go on with it. There's changes that happen in our industry, new browsers, restrictions, and all the consent integrations that we're building in. Everything in between, it just it made me feel good that others, other in, independent folks are seeing what we saw and they're seeing better results. I'll talk a little bit about, I'll keep this quick, but the very nuanced differences between the Elevar Facebook Cappy integration and the, the native integration. So if you log into your Facebook events manager, go to a purchase event 
and go to event matching, you likely won't see the FPP parameter, but you will see the FPC. FPC parameter will be pretty low. It'll be like, again, it could be 3%, 30%, but it will be very low. If you go into an Elevar CAPI integration, you will see both. So you'll see both. You'll see FPP at our, I would say if you are greater than 80, 90%, that should be normal. If you're below that, then that would be a red flag if you are less than 80 to 90% on the FPP parameter. That's the main difference between the customer parameters. Pretty much everything else is the same, you know, name, email, phone number, et cetera. That, that's the difference. And then when it comes to conversion events, I can't say this for certain because I don't know for certain. And I think even this article that I'm referencing, they don't necessarily know either. But our belief is the purchases are still routed, ultimately coming from the browser and then routed back through you know, the Shopify server, then to the CAPI integration. But the information is still ultimately pulled from the browser. And then instead of, instead of just being sent as a pixel hit, it's going out through a CAPI integration as well. Our difference is we are using webhooks. So Elevar's integration doesn't rely on the browser. We rely on the order creation webhook we enrich that with data that we collect, and then we send that to the conversion API. So that ensures we are able to actually send 100% of orders, and that's why we guarantee it. If anything ever happens, if there's a failure, if there's a error or warning that comes back from Facebook, because when we send them the purchase data, their API has to send a response back saying, yep, we got it, no errors. Or, or I should say, yep, we got it, it's successful. Or, yep, we got it, but we are seeing these, war- or here's a warning, your token's incorrect, we don't know that pixel ID, it's missing a specific piece of data. That will get, and you'll see in your dashboard, or if it just falls off completely, then you will see the alert going down. So we, we that's part of our channel accuracy, where we look at how many orders did Shopify have, how many did Facebook receive, What's the delta? If it's 100%, then it's 100%. The benefit to to this going this route is if you're using Global E, Flow, any other international type checkout that's outside of the normal Shopify checkout, if you are using embedded shops, so the Facebook shop or TikTok shop, if you have any, any other channel that you are selling through that's outside of that normal Shopify checkout flow, you can also send those orders from Elevar's integration, both Pixel and Conversion API. So that's another pretty big delta that before the unified checkout and recharge marriage happened, that's why we have and still do work with so many recharge customers is because the offsite checkout from recharge did not have a CAPI integration. So if you were using the native meta Facebook integration with your Shopify store and had the offsite recharge checkout, you would see your server events would be really low. That's a breakdown of the article, how we compare the nuances of customer data versus purchase data. I hope that was helpful and not too much in the weeds. If you have any questions on this, just shoot me an email, but there will be the link in the show notes so you can check it out for yourself. All right, next up, let's go to the Shopify WebPixel API. This will be fairly brief. We've had customers and talked to many partners about this. It's a new feature that is in dev mode. 
that I think it was June-ish. Don't hold me to that. But at some point over the summer, Shopify released this into dev mode. And it's essentially a new way to implement client-side tracking in the Shopify checkout. They call it services. So it could be your initiate checkout or the different stages of the purchase and post-purchase flow. But it's a new way to implement tracking. And if you have experienced the post-purchase upsell tracking headaches where you maybe didn't know you had to add tracking to it because you always had tracking just in your order status scripts, and then you see a bunch of conversions missing. So this is potentially a way to help uh, help unify that. But it is a massive change. This is just a note that we are on top of it and integrating with it. We already have one. Uh, it's You can't actually use it yet since it's still in developer, developer preview. Uh, their general availability, I think, in, even in the Discord group, the uh, one of the Shopify folks mentioned early October. But that's a heads up. So if you are a customer and a listener and you are wondering what we're doing about it, you're good. We got your back. And uh, we'll share more in the coming weeks as uh, as we continue to learn more. It is a an evolving integration. So uh, TBD on a lot of things, what's happening there. And if you're a competitor listening to this, I'm not going to tell you what we're doing anyways. Just kidding. But I'm not kidding. All right. Next up, we have the... Let's go hydrogen site launch. We had one of our customers, Skims. They went live with their hydrogen store. So the quote-unquote native headless uh, Shopify site that I think it was two years ago at Unite when Shopify first announced this. Gosh, it might have been three years. I'm having the COVID, the COVID lapse, but I went live. Shout out to SDG and the entire team there. As you wouldn't really notice a difference uh, visually of the site. I think it's for the most part the same. Could be wrong, but uh, it looks visually the same. So it wasn't necessarily a rebrand, but skims, skims.com, it's a hydrogen site and uh, it's pretty cool. So I, we've had a couple other customers that have started asking about this as they, as they think about going down the headless route and uh, excited to see how that platform will evolve. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's an, the next step in the the world of what's, where's headless going to go with Shopify. So a couple of points just wanted to share with this. Number one, uh, just process-wise, it's still a headless site. Maybe it's not a Gatsby Prismic, which is that was one from years ago we did with Strivetkin. It's still a headless site. The architecture is, is obviously different. And what does that mean process-wise? It means you still need to implement, and I'm just going to talk process-wise when it comes to tracking, you still need to implement uh, your your you are tracking your custom data layer integration. There's still a separate, so checkout is still on a subdomain. And it always takes more time. It literally never fails. Tracking integrations on headless sites always takes more time than anyone, including us, will uh, will ever think. Uh, so that is something that I just urge you, if you are a customer or not a customer, and going through a headless build, just uh, just keep that in mind that it always takes more time. And uh, the nuances when you just compare a standard Shopify theme versus a headless site, there's just so many differences and nuances in a headless site. If you have not listened to my previous episode with our lead solutions engineer, John, we talked all about headless, the nuances of Google Analytics and the impact on that. 
on marketing tracking and affiliates and everything in between. So if you want a deeper dive on really just understanding how tracking works on the headless site, what to look out for, what are the nuances, check out that episode. That was a great one, probably one of our top three, three or four. And most, most of not all of it will apply to, uh, to hydrogen as well. So again, shout out to our customer skims and SDG on that one. Next up, we'll talk through, I want to share a little, little bit about our server side tracking. So we've gotten questions over the last year or so on is Elevar just Google Tag Manager server side container or you know, what's new with Elevar when it comes to server side tracking? And the way I can answer that question is the problem we solved three years ago or four years ago, if, if it was four years ago, if you heard the words GTM and data layer, it's likely Elevar came next in that sentence. That The problem we were solving for three to four years ago is not the same problem that we are solving for today. The problem we have been solving for the last couple of years is around collecting accurate data from your site, your customers, their browsing behavior, their purchase behavior, et cetera, in an area, in a time of immense turbulence in the world of tracking. And that turbulence is from iOS. It's from GDPR. It's from browsers cracking down on tracking. It's from the growth of all of these landing page providers and apps where you are spinning up landing pages to drive prospecting traffic to that's outside of your primary domain. It's the turbulences from now we have unified upsells in the native Shopify checkout. And there's things to consider there. You have your legacy checkouts that are offsite. And then you have the unified checkouts with subscriptions and how to manage one-time versus subscription orders. If you are on the unified checkout, how can you split your Google ads conversions from a one-time order versus a subscription order? What about everyone getting sued in, in Europe for Google Analytics being illegal? The list goes on and on and on. So a lot of these issues, they may have exist. Some of them may, may have existed four years ago, but they were not, uh, the fire wasn't burning as, as much as it is today. That might not be the best, uh, best analogy to, to use. So that is a different problem for us. And that is why our focus continues to be on being the best server side tracking, uh, server side conversion tracking provider for Shopify and ultimately e-commerce. When we first launched the integrations that we had with Google Tag Manager with their server-side server side container, that was a foray, a foray into, okay, all of our customers are using GTM. It's an easy path to, okay, now let's use the native Google Tag Manager server container. Easy path. And what we've learned over the last couple of years working with many customers is that can be a pain in the ass too, because now it's even more technical. It's more manual to manage your clients and keep things up to date, especially with the velocity of changes. And now Elevar has consent integrations and how can we manage that in our GTM server container? So the complexity grows. And to be honest, we've, we've seen some of our high volume brands that have had 50 instances in GTM or in Google Cloud connected to the server container. And they still fail. They'll still fail out. It's not a good situation to be in because they are coming. They put our trust, they put their trust in us to manage their data collection. 
and make sure things just work, which they should. And we don't necessarily, if servers within Google Cloud are failing or they're not scaling or whatever it is, the control we have is very limited. We ultimately, we don't have access to the servers. We don't necessarily know what's going on. And I've even seen a few things in Measure Slack where it's almost like it's a known issue where if you have these high sell spike periods where traffic goes from zero to 10,000 right away, that the Google Cloud GTM server side integrations historically, maybe this will change in the future, just have not performed well. They, they, haven't, they weren't built for that. So we start adding all these up. And this is why over the last two years, we've rolled out our fully managed server side tracking. And so this is the, when you, now we, we have a new onboarding process where we just, we're more explicit about asking what kind of data tracking do you want? Do you want accurate data or semi-accurate data? So do you want server-side tracking or client-side tracking? And then if you want server-side tracking, do you want to use our fully managed, so basically our hosted solution, so think like a segment. Do you want to use our solution or do you want to host and manage on Google Cloud? And just trying to make that more clear and and distinct. So again, leaving that decision up to you, what's best for you? Do you have the team to manage your own server container, et cetera? And the fully managed solution for us, this allows us to do so much more with server-side tracking. It's by far the best product that we have. We are working to make this available for folks that are still on our, our lower plans and might still be might still be a, a brand that's still early days and still getting ready to scale and doesn't have the volume that you know a Skims or others have. So we're ma- working on making that more accessible for all of our customers. But this just allows us to... You, you literally don't need to do anything. Everything is an app. We are able to manage different scenarios. So all those scenarios that I mentioned, like the landing pages and if you think about buy now buttons that automatically create a, a cart and a checkout and offsite checkouts like Global E and Flow, et cetera. All of those we're able to manage in our our fully managed server-side solution. And we start at, you know, start bolting on webhooks and everything else that that we're doing, it makes the solution really powerful. We can also do, so we have our, our real-time conversion reporting. So you can just go to your real-time conversion reporting view in Elevar and see all of the orders that are coming through, the data that's associated to those and what destinations, what channels are those, are those being sent to. So that's the, again, different problem that we solved today than what we did four years ago, different tool set. So the tools back then, I'm going to struggle coming up with a good, uh, good metaphor here, but maybe that was, you know, a hammer, screwdriver, et cetera. And uh, no, no, see, so yeah, that was a beetle. And now we're a, a Lamborghini. I don't know. You get the point. So that's, uh, that's just a mindset difference from where we've come from. And honestly, a lot of this is just evolving, listening to customers like you um, and what, what we need to minimize the time you're spending or worrying about tracking. That's it on the Elevar fully managed server-side tracking. If you have any questions, let's say you are on GTM server-side or you're still just on web container tracking, just shoot me an email, brad at getelevar.com. If uh, if you want to hop on a call and just talk through any of that, happy to help. And last but not least, just a, a call here for anyone who's using Tapcart with Shopify. If you are looking for attribution on your app installs, so if you're looking to understand what sources of traffic are driving app installs. Again, shoot me an email, brad at getelevar.com and uh, just put Tapcart in the subject line and I'll uh, put you in touch with uh, with John, our lead solutions engineer, to uh, chat a little bit about that. That's it for today. 
got some screaming kids outside. It's, uh, you're not listening to this on Friday, but it's uh, end of day Friday going into a holiday weekend here in the States. And uh, hope you have a great week. And thank you so much for your support. And I will talk to you next time. Did you enjoy today's episode? If so, we release two new episodes per week. So be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else that you subscribe and listen to your podcast. I also have a favor to ask. I'd really appreciate if you could leave a comment or review so I can learn exactly how to improve future episodes for you. And last but not least, if you want to connect with me, find me on LinkedIn by searching Brad Redding at Elevar. That's E-L-E-V-A-R. Or you can DM me on Twitter. My handle is I am Brad Redding. I look forward to connecting with you. Thanks again. 